Good morning, Graceway. Today is Wednesday, November 6th, and this is Enoch from the Morning Bible Study teaching team. Today we'll be picking off from Monday with verses 13 to 17 of the 12th chapter of Mark. After having their corruption called out by Jesus, the chief priests and elders tried to ensnare Jesus with difficult questions about taxes. If you want to follow along, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Let's begin. Mark chapter 12, verses 13 to 17. And the chief priests, scribes, and elders sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, or not? Shall we pay them, or shall we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Well, if this passage tells us anything, taxes are as controversial back then as they are today. Oh, well, actually, maybe the better way to put it is, uh, taxes were more controversial back then than they are today. I mean, today at least, taxes at least supposedly, purportedly, go toward government services that benefit everyone as a whole. Back then, well, we have to remember that Judea was a backwater Roman province. You know, the only people who wanted governorships of places like that were basically patrician Romans who were a little down on their luck and who needed a little cash infusion to make their political comeback back in Rome, right? So taxes at a province were basically designed to make some of these governors, as much money in as little time as possible, right? They would take a governorship for a couple of years, get as much money as they can, and if there are revolts, well, there's some Roman legions to deal with that. I mean, if you want to, like, try to situate that between today's debates about taxes, you know, today's are just tame. We have to remember that Jesus had just had his confrontation with the chief priests and the elders. And basically he just called them out for their corruption. Um, and sort of told a parable about their illegitimacy. Right? They were unfaithful to God. And they were killing even the prophets of God. Um, and so even though they had tried to confront him about it. They had failed. And now they can't sort of hit him head on. So they're going to try to catch him on the side. And so they're going to send some others try to sort of catch him in some sketchy words. The fact that they send some Pharisees and Herodians is quite significant. On the one side, we have to remember Herod is sort of like the king, um, meaning he's the one appointed by the Romans in order to collect taxes for them. And so he's in this weird position where he's there to get taxes. And on the other hand, the Pharisees are kind of like the people who, uh, who are popular with the people. The other ones sort of like emphasizing the purity of the Jewish law in order to push back so that 
there can be a revival of sorts, right? Just like in the days of old when people turn back to God and then God sends them a leader and then it rescues them from the hands of their oppressors. And so that's what they're doing. They're sort of the popular um, revolutionaries almost of sorts, right? They're the ones, they've been instigating revolts. In fact, uh, you know, a little bit sort of during Jesus's life even, um, you know, he may be really young, but there were times when basically they're even instigating revolts against Herod, right? Herod puts a an eagle on the temple and it sort of just looks too much like a symbol of Rome. And so the Pharisees lead a revolt um, and then it gets put down by the Roman legions. But the fact that these two groups have come together in order to try to entrap Jesus, you know, th- these two groups are like enemies normally. It's astounding. But that's how much of a ruckus Jesus is calling. These people who would have normally be at odds with one another are now together, right, to try to trap Jesus. And Jesus is in this kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, right? Whether he says yes or no, he's going to be called out by one or the other side. And so what Jesus does is absolutely astounding, right? They're like, you know, flattering, flattering him, buttering him up. And oh, he sees right through. He knows they're trying to trap him, try to get him to say yes or no. But what does he do instead? Well, he asks for a coin. And then he sort of asks him, like, so whose who's image and inscription is this? What does it say? Image and inscription sound familiar, right? Imago, yeah, that's right. Imago Dei comes from Genesis 1. God created man in his image and likeness. And so, even though, at a glance, Jesus' answer may seem to promote something like, you know, doleful submission to, you know, what no everyone no doubt saw as Roman oppression, or even just Roman extortion, right? That's not exactly what's happening here. On the one hand, yeah, he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. But on the other hand, he says, render to God what is God's. Your money may belong to Caesar, but your whole selves belong to God. I don't, I think the implications of this are absolutely massive. I mean, there's this, I think there's like thousands of years of Christians reflecting on the meaning of this, and we still haven't really fully got it right. And I really do think it's incumbent on the church today to continue to really meditate on this saying of Jesus, right? Especially in our polarized time. Um, But I just want to highlight one maybe implication or possible explication of this. So, you know, in our Sunday services, there's a section which is dedicated to, for the offering uh, to God. And often in Christian circles, you can hear discussion about this in terms of something like tithes, right? Uh, the language comes from the Old Testament, usually denotes a kind of temple tax of sorts. Uh, what is owed by God's people to God in order to support the work of the priests, right? But I think in light of what Jesus is saying, speaking of offering merely as tithes is actually a little bit limiting, God isn't just interested in our money. He's interested in all of us. I mean, so every Sunday, it's not just an offering section where, you know, people put money in their baskets. 
God isn't interested just in our money. God's interested in us, our whole selves, including our money. Right? In the words of Paul, we're there to be living sacrifices. So Mark reports the Pharisees and the Herodians as being sort of marveling at Jesus. And I think, I think we should as well. Right? On the one hand, Jesus' answer is incredibly witty. I mean, just think about it. Look at any of our, of our politicians today, and how do they answer questions about taxes? Is there anyone who does it in a way where they just shut up all the opponents? I mean, that's it's, what Jesus is doing is astounding, right? And this is this is like next level. Um, this isn't talking to their his potential voters. This is talking about like submitting to yeah, as like basically extortion, um, something that shouldn't be happening to the people of God. They're being robbed unjustly by force, pretty much over and over again. That money is not going to help them at all. But on the other hand, Jesus is actually sort of like almost taking that demand and moving it to the next level. Right? God, unlike the emperors of Rome, isn't just after our money. He's after us. And I guess this leaves us with a question. You know, most of us are probably willing to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. If you think about paying taxes. But are we willing to render to God what he wants? When we gather for worship, can we offer ourselves to him? Everything? Well, that's it for today. But you can join us again for Friday for some more from the Gospel of Mark. This is Enoch, signing out.